traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. This program is designed to provide general information with regards to the subject matters covered. This information is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, sponsors, or station are engaged in rendering any specific and personal, medical, financial, legal, counseling, professional service, or any advice. You should seek the services of competent professionals before applying or trying any suggested ideas. Beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings and good-looking people. Remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. And we have good in abundance, overflowing. My cup runneth over with good. Because you have tuned in consciously and conscientiously to the joy of living with your humble host, Barry Shore, B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E, Barry Shore at barryshore.com. If you ever miss a minute of the show, you don't want to do that. You want to listen again. You certainly want to do that. And you want to share this with at least five people. And you absolutely today must do that. Then just go to www.barryshore.com because all the information about this show, about our amazing guest, is going to be right there. You know, just lean in, let everything flow over you and bask in the beautiful, bountiful, beloved atmosphere that we're going to be bringing to you today. Because today is a must have, must listen to, must understand, must touch show. It is deep. It's powerful. But that's why you tuned in, because you tuned in me for the most important reason in the world. You care most in the entire world about one being only, and that is you. Y-O-U. E-W-E. You. Because you know when you're the best you, you make the world a better place. You can build harmony. You can build bridges. You can create more joy, happiness, peace, and love in the world. That's why you tune into the joy of living with your humble host, Barry Shore. And I have to tell you that at this very moment, you are joined by 280,613 people around the world who are listening to this amazing show hosted by by K4HD, k4hd.com. And if you want to send us any notes or ask any questions, go to k4hd.com. And it's hosted over this magical, mystical um, wondrous platform called Internet Radio. And again, you've tuned into the joy of living. And the reason you tuned in is because you know that on this show, when you listen carefully and use the practices, tips, and tools that are offered here, you will be healthier, wealthier, and wiser. 
And as Jack Canfield said to me, who doesn't want that? <laughs> Healthier, wealthier, wiser, let me in. Well, here you are. The joy of living. And on this show, we work with three fundamental principles of life. And those three fundamental principles of life are number one, life. Your life has purpose. That's right. And when you lead a purpose-driven life, number two, the corollary of that, the result is you can go MAD. Now, in this case, MAD is a wonderful acronym. It stands for Make a Difference. When you lead a purpose-driven life, you can go MAD. You can go make a difference. And number three, the way to do that, the best way we have ever found is by unlocking and uncovering the secrets of everyday words and terms. That's right. When you know these everyday words and terms, you see them all around. You talk about it all the time. But when you unlock the secrets and the power of them, you can actually change your mind. You have neuro-linguistic program, and you can kind of create the world that we want to live in. And so a simple example of that is what? WWW. Now, if you ask anybody, what does WW stand for? They'll tell you invariably, well, WWW stands for something to do with the Internet. And factually speaking, they're correct. But in our world, the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant, WWW stands for, drumroll, fanfare, da-da-da-da. What a wonderful world. <laughs> and what is a word? W-A-T-T-A. And of course, a tip of the hat and a, a beautiful smile on our face with that amazing being known as Louis Armstrong Satchmo for enabling that fabulous song to go viral around the world, not just touch tons of millions or hundreds of millions, but billions of people on the planet. And whenever you hear even the opening bars of that song, what a wonderful world. Right away, what do you do? You start smiling, and SMILE is one of the most powerful, purposeful, pleasant acronyms that you'll ever be able to utilize in your life, because SMILE stands for seeing miracles in life every day. Yes, seeing miracles in life every day. Now, part of the proof of that is, well, we're in the midst of a pandemic right now, right? This is the year 2020. Now, people will be listening to this show, God willing, for decades to come, if not centuries from now. And they'll say 2020 in July, in the summertime, there was a pandemic in the world. Yes, guess what? Over a million people did not get out of bed this morning. And why? Because they died. Well, you didn't. You're here. Celebrate life. You are alive. Now, the other situation, the proof of that you can see miracles in life every day, is because there are more than a million plus people that couldn't get out of bed this morning. They're infirm. They are suffering either from COVID or something else. They couldn't get out of bed this morning. But you, 99.99% of everybody listening, hundreds of thousands of people around the world, you got out of bed this morning seeing miracles in life every day. Every day. Now, I have to tell you, there's about 230, 240,000 people listen to the show every week, and they've been doing it for years. Thank you very much. And invariably, you invite your friends to listen in because you know in this show called The Joy of Living, you're going to become healthier, wealthier, and wiser. But So you know the story of Barry Shore, but some people don't. So for those who don't, I have to tell you. Your humble host was standing up in the morning on September 17th, 2004, hale and hearty, able to leave tall buildings in a single bound. And in the evening, I was in the hospital, paralyzed from my neck down. And it wasn't from an automobile accident or a spinal injury. It was a rare disease that took over my body and rendered me completely, totally, 100% paralyzed. Nothing on my body moved. I could barely speak above a whisper. And I was like that 
for many months in the hospital, years, two years in a hospital bed in my own home. I couldn't turn over by myself. Four years in a wheelchair. I had braces on both my legs, my hips, my ankles. That was progress. And thank God today I'm able to be vertical and ambulatory, albeit with the help of a six and a half foot walking wand made for me by a Zen master. So I'm a tripod, but I still can't walk up a stair by myself or a curb. And I have help 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But you hear my voice purposeful, powerful, pleasant, and positive. Why? Because I have learned how to see miracles in life every day. It still takes me 10 minutes to get out of bed in, this morning, in the morning. But guess what? I can get out of bed. <laughs> i got to tell you something. My eight-year-old niece came over to me a, a few weeks ago and said, Uncle Barry, can we spell smile, S-M-I-E-L? And I thought about it. I said, smile, smile, why not? And I asked her, how come? She said, because then it would stand for seeing miracles in everyday life. Out of the mouth of babes. Isn't that wonderful? Because when you start thinking like that, you can kind of create the kind of world we all want to live in. Create is a wonderful acronym. It stands for causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. And we're going to be talking about rethinking in just a few moments with one of our with our guest, a, a woman who's become, I hope to be able to say friend. I hope she'll allow me to call her friend. And one of the most interesting people you ever meet. But before we do that, I want to share with you something that I learned from the Dalai Lama. And when you you use, as he said, these two words in the English language, and you use them three times a day, consciously and conscientiously, from now forward for the rest of your life, you will change the world. You ready? And these two words are, drum roll, fanfare, da-da-da-da. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because thank stands for to harmonize and network kindness. To harmonize and network kindness. Dalai Lama has been quoted as saying, I've read his writings, be kind whenever possible. And it's always possible. The simple example, you go into a coffee shop, God willing, we'll do that again soon, and you order your fancy latte for five and a half dollars. You go to the table, you sit down, somebody brings it to you, you say, thank you. You go to the coffee shop, you order a fancy latte for five and a half dollars, and a few minutes go by, nobody brings it to you, go to the counter, and they say, oh, I'm sorry, we forgot, and we'll bring it to you. And another few minutes go by, and still you come over, and they bring it to you, say, thank you. And now you're walking out of the coffee shop, and it's raining. Somebody holds the door open for you. You say, thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop, and it's raining. Somebody slams the door on you. You say, thank you. You're in traffic. You're late for an appointment. Somebody cuts you off. You say, Thank you. Get up in the middle of the night, you stub your toe, and it hurts. Oh. You say, thank you. To harmonize and network kindness. And I am deeply humbled and honored to be able to say to you that there are a few people, how I believe, who exemplify, personify kindness more than our dear guest, a woman of remarkable capabilities and power. And her name is Lori Lakin Hutchison. Lori, are you there? Can you say a huge hello to 280,613 people around the world? Hello, people. <laughs> Thank you, Barry. That, yeah, that is LLH, better known as L squared H, Lori Lake Hutchinson. So uh, Lori is one of the more interesting, fascinating people that I've had the good fortune to encounter in the past 40 years of my life. And I'll just give you a brief background because if I tell you all the things about her, we'll take up the rest of the hour. So just suffice it to say that she's Los Angeles born. 
She is a uh, film and television writer and producer. She's worked on a number of major projects with people that you know. We won't want to drop names, but I mean, you know the names like the Will Smiths of the world and Jada Pinkett Smith and things like that. And um, but from our point of view, I want to talk about what she does a lot with. And it's it's her spare time gig because her real focus in life is her family, her husband, her friends and, and the world. But this is how she manifests going mad. And in today's world, it really means go mad. She edits and writes an award-winning website that is titled Good Black News. That's right, goodblacknews.org. And what I'd like to do, Lori, instead of just reading more about your uh, amazing bio, bio and such, all the stuff you do, I'd like to just jump in because we're in the midst of a pandemic on several levels in this world right now. One pandemic, of course, is a physical one um, and will pass. The other is a mental one, a, um, a soul searching one and a mind one. And that is the, the terrible and, and growing, unfortunately, or maybe not, maybe you'll educate it and tell me that I'm wrong, uh, racial divide that at least exists in the United States of America and, and probably even in the world, because it, it may not just be white and black here in the United States, but it, it, it may be manifesting itself in many other ways in other parts of the world and other countries. But let's talk about what you do with good black news, because that's what's necessary today. So let's just jump right in and start talking about you, who you are, what you do, Harvard educated, magna cum laude, and let's talk about how education is really the great equalizer. Oh, happily, Barry. Um, the, basically, exactly what you said is true, and I think everybody's seen it. It's kind of a hard thing to not see that's been going on in the United States and other parts of the world, which is uh, a lot of divisiveness and division around not just skin color, but class, gender, uh, anything that can be seen as an othering of a what is considered to be some sort of standard in the world of you know, white male dominance um, or superiority. And where that's coming from is basically kind of through, one, the lack of education, and two, a choice to educate and or indoctrinate people into believing in, in that type of system. So that's why, to me, like actual learning, actual facts, actual reading, the ability to, to, to learn how to think is the most important, in my mind, thing to do. And also being able to think positively. Those things go together because if you do have problems, if you're able to identify and say and look at things and say, okay, this is unfair, this is unjust, and you just allow that to, to, to make you sad or to be like, that's insurmountable, I can't do anything about it, you, nothing's going to change. But if you think positively and, and look for the the way forward, look for actionable things. And I'm not saying deny what's going on, be very aware of what's going on, but then also try to find the light and work towards that. So that's what inspired me in a sense to start Good Black News, which was to start changing the narrative, particularly in the United States, but globally as well, about people of color, black people in particular, in that 
there are many, many positive things that we do, that we say, that we have done, and actually that are done done it for us. And I want to celebrate those. And by by celebrating those, it seems to bring light to people, and it seems to fortify those who knew that already, and it seems to change the minds and hearts of those who who hadn't been educated properly about that. So let's talk about those two C's that you just mentioned. Celebrate, celebrate, dance to the music, and certify the positive, purposeful, powerful, pleasant aspects of life. Um, Again, Lori, in, in my book, is one of the more interesting people that I've ever had the pleasure of not meeting. I'm saying I'm saying that to everybody. She and I have spoken on the phone. Uh, I, I know what she looks like. She knows what I look like. And by the way, Lori, you you're, you personify your mother. You have that twinkle. It is so endearing. It's, so it's, it's, and listen to that laugh, everybody. But let's go back to what you said about education versus indoctrination, number one, and number two about think. So first of all, we talked about thank. Thank is a great acronym to harmonize and network kindness. Think, in, in my book, stands for to harness insightful neural connections. And I, I believe wholeheartedly, that's one of the reasons we're speaking, is that you have taken up the, um, how should we say it, the weapons, the most powerful weapons that exist. And those are the ability to think positively, not to live in a world and, and just brush it over and say, no, 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 everything is fine, because that's not true. What is mm-hmm. true is positive thinking will allow everybody to honestly assess a situation and say, as you just did, when there is injustice, we want justice. Where there is inequality, we want equality. We're not looking for equality of outcome. We're looking for equality of opportunity. Am I correct, correct. when I say that? You are spot on, Barry. You are spot on. That's that's Essentially, that's all people want. And it, it, even more so than equality is equity in the sense of that that. No, no matter how somebody presents in the world, whether they are able to walk, whether they're able to talk, whatever their skin color, their religion, so on and so forth, they have an equal chance, an opportunity, like you said, to access whatever there is in the world that is there to be had. That is all that people want, anybody. And, and that's what we all have in common. And to build from there, if we can get there together... What a wonderful world. (laughs) Well, this is really important, what Laurie is just bringing out to us. And I I wrote it down because uh, I'm listening to what you have to say. And I want to, again, I love working with words, as do you. And when you talked about equity, so I wrote down the two words, equity and equality. Because interestingly enough, equality has the same letters as equity with the addition of Al. (laughs) Now, Al... If you take out Al, and he's a good guy, but Al stands for access of love or access of life. In other words, what is equity? Everybody wants access to life and access to love. That's all. We're not looking for special favors. We're not looking to say, well, give me an extra 10 points because I have this, 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 and this. 
again, it may be that somebody needs that at this particular moment, but what really is moving us forward is we, we want to know, we want to at least admit to ourselves in the world that nobody can reach what we'll call the finish line, the goal of uh, living in, in heaven. Every, people get ready. There's a train a coming. You know that song, right? Curtis Mayfield, <laughs> the impressions, yes. Yeah. So we, you, you can't get on the train until everybody's on the train. See, that's, that's the right. genius, which is, um, I learned this from my, my parents who both passed on. Uh, I grew up in in place called Boston, Massachusetts. And you know Boston because you went to Harvard. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, it, very interesting uh, city from many different perspectives, and, and especially racially. But one of the interesting parts of it is that it it's an historically old city that at, at one and the same time really wanted to do better and still had this bias built in because, again, it just it, it's part and parcel of the experience, and it takes a lot of work. But when people recognize that we can hold hands together, that that's the only way it's going to work. When I can extend a hand to Lori and Lori is willing to accept my hand and she extends a hand to um, Sahib and and extends a hand to to Julia, et cetera, et cetera, that's what's going to enable us all to excel again, create, causing rethinking, as we talked about before. I'd like to speak about something, if I may, uh, and I, I'm going to ask you actually to do this more. I, I mentioned to everybody that Lori attended Harvard. And one of the, the stories that I read that drew me to Lori was something about um, the neighborhood that she lived in in Los Angeles. And if, with, if you don't mind, Lori, if you'd be kind enough to tell over the story, I actually choke up when I think about it. It, I have, it hurts a bit and it tears in my eyes about when you moved in and, and the thing that happened with the, the swimming pool and such. And then when you got accepted to Harvard and such, just to make people aware of what we'll call the, the small issues of inequality and inequity and, and, and the slights that occur to people when, and maybe the other people didn't realize it. And that's really what the, 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 pos- the, the paucity of their understanding is that they don't recognize that they are being cruel and hurtful. If, may I ask you to reveal some of the, those two stories? Absolutely. Um, when I was younger, we lived in a, a we moved to a middle class, upper middle class neighborhood that was primarily white. And uh, not too long after we got there and put in a swimming pool, boys in the neighborhood just started throwing rocks in our pool all the time. And uh, they were white boys, and they were not as far as I knew, harassing anybody else in the neighborhood, but it was specifically our house. Um, and fortunately, my mother, Joyce, uh, actually saw, ID'd one of the boys, and it happened to be the, the young boy who lived across the street. And my mom literally went across the street, knocked on the door, talked to her, his mother, and was obviously you know, speaking her truth. And her, fortunately, that woman heard her, got her son, and they both walked into the backyard and he had to dive into the pool and pick up every single rock. It didn't matter if his friends threw it or he threw it. He had to clean out that whole pool. 
in the process of all of that, after he was done, my mom said to him, if you ever want to swim here, just ask. If you <laughs> and, and her offering that olive branch changed everything. Like, they became very close friends. He used to come over and swim. Um, and, you know, her addressing not being very aware of the situation and demanding justice for the situation, but at the same time saying, if you want to do better, I'm going to give you a chance to do better. And that was a seminal thing for me to witness. Um, By the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think what you just said is so deep. It wasn't just by the way, I'll, I'll have to interrupt myself again. I love your mother's name because, of course, it's not just Joyce. It's Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And that is her nickname. Um, she is you Joyce. Know, so, it, but the it, fact that you witnessed it, I think, made as deep an impression, obviously, on you as it did on the boy. Yeah. Yeah, and there was another boy who, unfortunately, my my older sister Lisa was a great athlete, and we were two of four children of color in the whole entire elementary school. And my sister beat this boy in a race, and he called her the N word, and it was the first time she'd ever heard it, and came home and told my parents that this boy had called her the N word because she beat him legitimately in a race, and I like. My father, it was the first time I saw him not be able to handle a problem in the sense of he was so angry, he couldn't, he didn't know what to do with his anger, where to take it. And my mom calmed him down, but it was the fact that his daughter had been verbally assaulted, that to try and do something about it at the time might have caused even more trouble, and that at this age, not only her, but me as well, we're having to deal with this reality that there were people in the world who might hate us simply because of the color of our skin. And that it was way too soon to learn that lesson. And, you know, so that affected me as well, which was, wow, there are words out there and there are people out there who don't know us at all. Or even if we do something that is at some level of achievement, they're not going to want to recognize it. In fact, they're going to want to put it down. So that was another lesson that I learned very early in my life. And to go to what you were talking about before, when I was applying to colleges, I got into Harvard, very excited. And, Wait a minute. Um, is, to- that, is that the Harvard in back in Eastern <laughs> Massachusetts? <laughs> You've heard of it, have you? Yeah, you mean, you mean, that was... You mean the H word? <laughs> the H word, yes. I got into the H word, and in the process of, of getting myself to the H word, I had to go to the doctor to get my immunization records. I had to get the items that I was supposed to bring there, and I had to ship them. And to shorten the story, I went to the doctor, said, look, I need this filled out. I'm going away to college. What college are you going to, she asked me. I said, Harvard. She said, you mean the one in Massachusetts? And I was like, uh, yeah, the one in Massachusetts. I don't know what other one there is, but sure, yes, the one in Massachusetts. Strangely, the doctor doesn't know that. <laughs> then I go to the store trying to find certain things, talking to a clerk. I'm saying, I'm trying to find these things. I don't know where they are. I'm going away to college. Where are you going? Harvard. Pause. You mean the one in Massachusetts? 
Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm at UPS shipping the stuff that I got, and there's a woman in line behind me. There's a, a young man ahead of me. She asks him, where are you sending your things to? And he says, Princeton. She says, congratulations. She turns to me, and she says, where are you sending your things to? I say, Harvard. You mean the one in Massachusetts? <laughs> and I was like, okay, it, it isn't, it is me and it isn't me. This is happening at every turn when somebody white sees somebody black like me saying I'm going to Harvard, they immediately are confused and questioning. Like, how is it possible that I'm going to the Harvard in Massachusetts? So that was what you would re refer to today as a microaggression or a, even a, a subconscious one because nobody was trying to be offensive, but they couldn't do the calculation or the math because they think of that elite university one way and they think of a black girl another way. And those two things didn't match in their minds at that time. So that was another huge lesson for me, which is, wow, like it, it, as much as there's been a civil rights movement, as much as there's been like the rainbow coalition. And, you know, I was in Los Angeles in the 1984 Olympics and it seemed like the whole world came together. Um, no, there were still very deep-seated ideas that have been in this country since the beginning of this country about who is considered superior, who is considered inferior, who is considered educable, who is considered, um, I don't know, worthy of um, attention or and or leadership positions. So that um, that that has all been a mix and a part of my life and. Ten years ago, through fate, what have you, I had got the opportunity to try and do something about it, which is to try and put out every day positive messages about black people that people can take in at their own time and speed and see that the narrative that they've been given is simply not true. Absolutely. First of all, yeah. that, that is, let's use those words, simply not true. Let's talk about the other H word, if we may, for the moment. I don't like using it, but I think it's necessary mm -hmm. at this particular point. Right. And, and I'm going to show you how we can actually transform it. But the other H word is hate. And hate is a, um, it, it's so robust. It's so, um, it's, it's a tinder that it can be set off at any moment because it's a, it's a trigger and Unfortunately, uh, I, I'm still wrestling in my own mind, and I've been on this planet for 72 years, if hate is endemic to the human being or it is a learned experience. I happen to take the, the easy way out and say it's both, um, but I'm not sure which is more dominant. I, I believe that it's more a learned process than a, um, how should we say it, a and, uh, and, and I don't even want to say part of the human condition, but I, I think that there is something within our DNA that enables us, unfortunately, just like with love, to hate. And, and it gets triggered by learned processes as well. So let's go back to this terrible incident with your sister and a, a youth your sister was, let's call, I don't, let's pick a number. She was, let's say she was 16. And the even boy younger was, than that, but yeah. Okay, even, they, even worse, even worse. Yes. 
how does that how does the word even exist in other words he that boy he didn't go to a dictionary and look up under ends and say hmm let me think of an epithet that i can learn today and hurl at somebody he had to have been either heard it at home been taught it because these things don't live in the ether they don't just you know it's all like covid you bring it in somebody sneezes i'm asking you and because you're in the front line, see, what good black news does, in my opinion, is that it not only is a torch in the world, not just a candle. You hear me, Lori? You're not just mm-hmm. a candle. You are a torch bearer. You, and the torch of flame is so big. You talk about Olympics. You are the Olympic torch bearer that pushes aside darkness. And darkness resides in this four-letter word called hate. But hate, I think, has part and parcel to it, a learned experience. So I'm asking you, let's, t- let's riff on that. What do you think about this concept of hate? Well, look, I, I agree with you in the sense of there is something innate in just the way that human beings have developed on this planet in that a lot of times when uh, just based on survival, there was scarcity of resources as we were developing situations. So if one band of, let's say, cave people ran into another band of cave people and they had, they had the good water, they wanted to find a way, if they couldn't share the good water, to take the good water because they wanted to survive too. So maybe they came up with ways to be like, well, you don't, we don't, you don't want to care about those people. So let's find something distinguishing about them that's different so that we can be like, ugh, they are not like us. They are different. They don't deserve what they have. Then we can take it and not feel some kind of way about the fact that we're actually doing something to take life away from another sentient being or living being. You know, mm-hmm. so a part of it is based on something psychological, but it, again, you have to think through all of that stuff, which means you're constructing it, which means you're building that. Now, now the people who start thinking this and building it, well, then they pass it on to their children, right? And the children just accept it the same way they accept that the sky is blue and that grass is green. It's just that, oh yeah, and then we don't like the star belly sneeches to take something from Dr. Seuss, which was so brilliant at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and it's just and so for that to like to the boy who called my sister the N word, he clearly learned that and heard that somewhere in a home environment because he didn't learn it at school. <laughs> you know, and right. and probably not on television at that time. I mean, you know, just in terms of blatantly that word, but uh, but he he learned it and and casually learned it because he tossed it out like it was nothing. Right. So, um, so but by the I same think, token, he knew it was an epithet. He knew it was a right. hurtful spear that he could hurl at someone. In other words, he didn't say, you're a rose petal. I don't like you. <laughs> right. 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 People know. I mean, people know the weapons they wield. Even even children do obviously, because the whole thing of like sticks and stones will break my, will break my words, but names will never hurt me because people knew how much words hurt. They had to make up a rhyme as sort of almost a, 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 a um, chant against it or, you know, an anti-hex or whatever, because 
words are extremely hurtful. They yeah. are rooted in uh, beliefs, and um, oftentimes, like you know, I I believe hate and fear. It's hard to separate the two um, because being scared of something or someone you don't know or being programmed to be that way uh, creates a, creates an atmosphere of hate and hate. Hate covers up the fact that you're a fear of the unknown or fear of what you've been told to fear. So um, I, I find that like right now while we're going through in this particular 2020 uh, reckonings around so many different things, pandemic, racism, so on and so forth, that what is very difficult because we're all going through it. It's not something that is being done to help black people, even though black people, people of color are the ones who bear the brunt of being oppressed. But people who benefit from oppression, they are not free either. Nobody's free till everybody's free. Like you say, people By get ready. Way, Every- Lori, this is so important. I want to uh, ask you just to pause because I want people there to lean in and let it flow over you what, what Lori is sharing with us by using incorrect words, thoughts, feelings. You are shackled. You are enslaving yourself. That's what you're saying, right? Am I, yes, I hope I'm exactly. Saying. And that's why you're right. Words do matter. Yes, of course, sticks and stones will break my bones. Words would never harm me, but they do. And one of the things that I applaud... I celebrate, I sing about, I embrace you, wonderful Lori Lakin Hutcherson, is this remarkable position that you have established and 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 that you have channeled into the world. See, you're you are a you live in a fog. I don't know if you know this, Lori. You live in a fog. You know why? Because fog stands for fountain of goodness. <laughs> That's who you are. You're a fountain of goodness. I, I know I'm embarrassing you, but it's okay because we're not on television, although we will be on television pretty soon. I'm inviting you to be on a show with me. As I told you in a text recently, I want to do a show like this every month, and we're going to do it on, on TV. I have an idea. But good black news is not just, hey, it's a good site. That's important. You know, No, no. This is fundamental uh, because, like you said, scarcity So scarcity is rooted in the word scared. When Mm. people are scared, they create scarcity both mentally, physically, emotionally. And when you do that, positivity can't come in because positivity is expansive. Positivity is based on giving. Positivity doesn't say, I am poor because you're rich. Positivity says, the good Lord made everything. It's a huge pie. You cannot possibly encroach upon what I have because the good Lord didn't make it that way. So when you combined joy, happiness, peace, and love, then you get what Lori is sharing with the world, good black news. And there's so much of it. I mean, so much of it. <laughs> give, us an, give me one example, if you would. If you'd be so kind, Lori, put you on the spot. Put me on the spot. Well, um, recently, for the first time ever, uh, there's a black female Navy jet pilot. Uh, her story recently came out, the U.S. Navy. It made it all the way to Time and Newsweek magazine. And, and people don't think about that. It's just like there are tons of people, like when it's serving in the military, 
proudly uh, of color, um, women, men, so on and so forth, doing things that that to serve this country as much as the country has not served them. That has always been the case from this from the revolution on. Honestly, there have always been black troops, and uh, and you know it's taken this long till 2020 for there to actually be a female uh, fighter pilot. Um, for gender purposes and, you know, race purposes, but she exists today. And by her existing today, that means 10, 20, 100, 1,000 will exist tomorrow, particularly when they hear her story. Right. Um, sorry? No, no, I said that's right. That's the beauty of it. It's um, She may be breaking the sound barrier as a jet pilot today, but she's breaking many other barriers by her very being. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, we, we, we celebrate things like that. We also celebrate the per, the 90-year-old who never got a chance to go to school, who went back and got a degree. Um, we celebrate uh, the guy who rolls out mobile showers for the homeless during the pandemic because they don't have any place where they can, they can get clean. Uh, you know, we, we celebrate the ordinary, the extraordinary, the little girl who sets up a free library outside of her house to share books and stories about people who look like her uh, with anybody who wants to read them. Um, you know, whatever, whatever shines a light on the positive things people are doing, particularly stories where you think that you need money, you think that you need a degree, you think that you might need some sort of fame to make a difference, you don't. You just need your heart and an idea and to act on it. This is so important what you're saying. I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of people listening from all over the world, thank God. We have a very big population actually in India that's listening right now. And India is a, obviously, it's not just a, a country, it's a, you know, the, the huge subcontinent. Yeah. Um, but from India, actually, and I think at least seven countries in the continent of Africa, um, many places in Europe, Asia, uh, United States people listen to us. <laughs> but I want what you just said was so wonderful. It is not about what degree you have from a school. It's not how much money you have. It's what you're willing to do in life. Action is really the key of life. When you can take action, when you can go mad, remember, mad stands for make a difference. It doesn't take much more than you just said to put some books, gather books together and put them out in front of your house and say, hey, this is a lending library for people because books are the way that we can change people's hearts and minds and therefore the culture because we're open right now. There is an opening in the country today. We're talking about the United States of America, but it's, it's happening throughout the world, I believe. There's a an opening that's potentially here today that didn't exist, let's be blunt, 30 years ago, 50 right. years ago, certainly 70 years ago. Um, and, and we need to be as as positive and powerful in opening up that that channel of goodness to become a cog that channel of goodness in the world uh, i'd like to we only have a few more minutes i'd like to get very personal with you Lori, if you'd be so kind sure and 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 talk about two things that i find very fascinating also about you number one you're not just 
an amazing woman, Lori Lake and Hutchison, Harvard and Ben, you know, and, and what do you call it? film and television writer, producer and good black news and such. Um, we only have five minutes. You have a husband, you have children. And one of your children is what other people call special needs. Let's just spend a minute or two on that, because I think that touches to the very core of what it means to be a giver in the world. You're a mother, you're a, a wife, you're a, a giver to you know, somebody with, with real needs in the world. Yeah, my son Xavier is 13 years old, and um, technically he has uh, epilepsy, cerebral palsy, um, and he gets around in a manual wheelchair and needs assistance with pretty much all the basic things that one needs one normally would do, feeding and so on and so forth. Uh, that said, he is my teacher. He has taught me so much more about life, compassion, living, joy, because what other people see, perhaps if they don't know him and they look at him, is, oh, isn't it sad that he is in a chair, that he's nonverbal, that he he has trouble moving his body? Uh, what they don't see is his wicked sense of humor. They don't see that he understands who has good intentions and who is fake. They don't see that he, um, he revels in the moment of whatever is happening that is giving joy. So, I have learned to be patient. I have learned to be more kind. I have learned to listen. And also, by the way, that communication, the way people communicate, is beyond words. So as important as words are, you can read people's energies. You can read their intentions because he does it all the time, and he's made me way more attuned to it. Um, so... When when we when we think about teachers and we think about learning, my husband Warren he always says we're in two modes at all times. We're either teaching something or we're learning something, and that goes back and forth. Either we're listening and learning, or we're speaking and teaching, and we have to be mindful of how we do that and who we do it with. And so, you know, as as much as my son is quote unquote challenged or limited. He is uh, a, a divine creature who has shown me the, the, the real, true meaning of compassion, of uh, quiet intensity and intelligence, and, um, and also how to, how to understand that people need time to transform, meaning that I have not had his experience in terms of being in a body that doesn't follow what I say. You've been, you've been closer to him than I have in that respect. Right. Um, right. With when, yes. for the time that you were quadriplegic. Um, and, and in that process, you realize how ableist the world is as well. So yeah. when I think about racism or white privilege or the things that people are grappling with, I put myself in the position of, I have had to learn a lot about ableism and ableist culture and how we are all participating in that and don't think anything of it. Um, so, Well, I, it, need to, it, I need to interrupt you on this moment because we have a time crunch and this is live radio, but you are going to promise me you're going to come back again. Say yes. Yes. 
Okay, that's number one. Number two, I'm going to give you a hug in front of 280,613 people, and I know your husband's going to be jealous, your son's going to be jealous, but I'm going to do it anyway. One, two, three. Delightful. <laughs> Thank you, Barry. And everybody been listening to The Joy of Living, the humble host, Barry Shore. Remember, on this show, you tuned in because you care most in the whole world about you, Y-O-U. You become healthier, wealthier, and wiser by listening to what Lori has to say, sharing this show with at least five people. So I have over a million people that will be touched by this because it's important. It's vital to your very being. WWW, what a wonderful world. Smile, seeing miracles in life every day or seeing miracles in everyday life, create the kind of world we all want to live in, causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. And remember, use these two words three times a day, consciously, conscientiously, the rest of your life. You will go mad and make a difference and change the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we leave you with a blessing. Our blessing is go forth, live exuberantly, spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and Love, go mad, go make a difference. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.